Our brother Stephen, in his opening prayer, mentioned several times about being so glad. Well, if you want to put a title over my testimony tonight, I'm so glad I'm saved. And what I would say, I hope I can convey just how much the Lord means to me tonight. And what I would like to say to you is, <laughs> these young ladies have been up before, but it's not just girls that cry, because I have a great saviour, and he's done great things for me in my life. And if you could turn, possibly just open to John chapter 6, and verse 37. Last week we had a couple of young men here out of the Sunday school and they had a box or something to stand on. I maybe should ask Stephen for that tonight as well. But however, John chapter 6 verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will, this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again in the last day. Also, I'll just mention in passing Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And friends, here tonight, it's nothing of good in me that I am here tonight, but rather that I was saved thankfully at a very early age. Now, my background was such that I was brought up, as Beulah has already said about herself, both sets of grandparents were saved, and I was brought up to go along to meetings. Now, my earliest recollection of any kind of a meeting was, it wasn't actually a meeting, it was a Christmas party in the Gospel Hall in Armagh, and believe it or not, I'm blessed with a great memory for long-term things, short-term things, Something that happened two weeks ago, I can hardly recall. But the things that happened in my early life, I can remember very well. So the age of about three and a half, in about 1969, possibly 1970, I was at a Christmas party in Armagh. It was my first night at anything. I sat there like a wee mouse. All the children were, play were answering questions, whatever. I was mesmerized by everything that was going on. And that's my first memory. I actually managed to get a box of chocolates from my best boy. I had to come up to the front and... Well, it wasn't blessed by height then either, and the preacher had to reach me down the box of chocolates. That was the first and last time I got Best Boy at any meetings that I was at. For I was a mischievous wee fella, although my parents thought I was great. Nevertheless, as I went along to Sunday school and these type of things, it was conveyed to me that I needed to be saved, that although they loved me and I was their child, I was different in the sense that they were saved and I wasn't and I needed to to, to be saved myself. It wasn't just a matter of your mommy and daddy would see you into heaven. But anyhow, uh, as I grew older, I heard many testimonies of people who were saved, maybe from a different background, as we have heard tonight. But uh, the, the message that I was conveyed to me as a young chap, anyhow, was that I needed to be saved and needed to be saved as soon as possible. Now, Going along to the Gospel Hall and Sunday School and meetings was all fine and well, and uh, I were very thankful for that background, but things were about to change in our family, and what happened then was that my grandfather, uh, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, contacted cancer. And my father and my uncles and 
a few maybe cousins decided that when he went into hospital that they would pray for him. Now he was only about 55 or 6, my, my own age at the moment. And uh, when he went into hospital for a couple of weeks, they prayed in his home. When he came back from hospital, they decided that perhaps for his sake and for privacy's sake, they would move out to Killeen, to my home, to my parents' home, their new house at Killeen. And they prayed there for a year. But the prayer meetings widened out. It became no longer praying for Bobby Jenkinson's health and the Lord would heal him. They started to pray for neighbours and friends and people that weren't saved. And I was aware of the prayer meetings. I wasn't in those prayer meetings. I was probably just too young, maybe a bit of a nuisance, but I was aware of the prayer meetings going on and was chastised a time or two for making noise outside and things like that. But those prayer meetings went on. And how important prayer meetings are. Now, what I would say is, after a time, the men that were involved in this, my father in particular, they decided to have a series of gospel meetings in a wooden portable hall, perhaps quite like what was erected here first by Bertie, was erected and the meetings began on the 5th of February in 1972. Now the gospel meetings began and they went on for three weeks and then it was Derek Bingham and Robert Hewitt that were preaching, people were saved and again I was there every night as a child and I don't remember much about it, I remember the hall and things like that but I mean I don't remember the details. But Derek had to go to England for a couple of weeks. He came back and then the meetings began again. They prayed for two weeks in between. The meetings began again and continued then to, to May, to the month of May. People were saved. I was aware of this. I didn't understand fully, but I was aware that people were getting saved. They were great times, special times. Our house was full of people at night. People were staying behind for tea. Preachers came and went. Derek Bingham stayed in our house for six weeks. I played with him on the stairs. He, he was a fun guy, Derek, a great preacher of the gospel, but he enjoyed the company of children. In fact, he had a children's mission. And I remember being at that mission and been convicted of my need of salvation. I knew, I knew it was drummed into me, listen, you need to be saved. You are not right for heaven. That is it. You need to be saved. And um, I believed this, and I knew my own heart. I knew I was no angel, and uh, I knew I needed to be saved. But anyhow, my father went... We went to the cinema and poured it down in 1973. We weren't going to see a film. You needn't worry about that. It was yet another gospel meeting. And uh, I didn't know who the speaker was, but the speaker was the English evangelist Dick Saunders. Now, my father had me by the hand coming out. And as we were coming out, he asked Mr. Saunders, or Dick as he became known to us all, to come to Colleen or Armagh in 1974, which was the following year. Dick Saunders came and he had a large circus tent, believe it or not, and held two and a half thousand people, believe it or not. And I have fact-checked that. I actually Googled it last night to make sure I wasn't exaggerating or telling you stories. That tent was filled every night. There was a Way to Life choir with 150 people. Many were saved, whole families at that time. And I remember clearly as a child seeing families singing, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? and hold my hands and singing that together after the meeting was over. The closing hymn every night was Just As I Am, and they had an appeal. Now, I was only a wee chap, and I wasn't going to go up to any appeal. But night after night, I watched the people going forward. 
And I really wanted to be saved. And my foolish heart, you know, I thought all sorts of things. I thought, you know, maybe God, if I got up on the roof of that hesha there and prayed, maybe he would save me. I thought I had some wee thing to do, you know, something that I needed to do to make it special that he would hear me. But on the 29th of July, 1974, as the meeting was ending after the appeal, I said to my mother, I want to be saved. And I was taken to the portable hall at the side. And there were many people there that night. That portable hall was filled with people being counselled. And I am so glad that I was introduced to a brother, Cecil McMullen, a mature man he was. And he spoke to me. Of course, I knew. I knew I was a sinner. And I prayed and asked the Lord to save me and forgive me. And asked him to come into my life. But I felt no different. And it was then that he read that verse to me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now what I can say to you now is, from that moment, from that moment, he has walked with me and talked with me along life's way. And I can assure you, there is many times he chastised me. You know, the Lord chastens those that he loves, and I wasn't always the perfect Christian, and I never will be the perfect Christian, obviously. But there was many times the Lord chastened me, but I never lost sight. From that day and that hour, I knew I was saved, and I am trusting in him for eternity. But the Lord has a lot of things to show you as you go along life's way. And perhaps as life went on then, I went to school, and like someone else that was here the night I kept my head down I didn't talk much about being saved especially at secondary school there was no scripture union to speak of and I got on through school went along to all the meetings there was powerful things going on and we went to Christian camps and enjoyed that side of things but kept my head down at school perhaps if I had witnessed then it would have been a better better for me now but anyhow as time went on I uh, left school at 17 and my father and me went into business now in Furness to be absolutely truthful about the thing it was his idea it was his idea uh, but I was my idea was I was going to have to do the work so we did a lot of work in the hardware business and we've been through many ups and downs recessions etc in the hardware and building supplies trade and any that knows anything about that will be aware it's not all plain sailing but the Lord was with us many many times in 1986, I met Ruth, something I'm eternally thankful for, and I met her parents, uh, who are now gone home to be with the Lord, and uh, they had a great influence in my life as well. But uh, as time went on, the Lord blessed us, and but many there was many trials, especially in business, and as a young man, and you don't always have the faith that you have in later in life, and. Uh, Ruth used to listen to CDs by Ian White and Sam set the music and how often that tune was in my head Psalm 124 if the Lord had not been on our side would we still be here today but anyhow we got married in 1990 and in the space of the next nine years or so we had six children four girls and two boys those were busy years very busy times and we took our children to all the, the meetings that we could and we, we were involved in many things and went on ahead and did what we could and uh, the Lord blessed us in many ways and we, we have to be very thankful for those times and it's just you know looking back on your life there's many things you would do differently but uh, all I can say is the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life whom shall make me afraid and it also says in the amplified version the Lord 
is the stronghold of my life. And I would say to young people here tonight, if you're a Christian, you know, be very careful how you live your life. If you're a young Christian girl or a young Christian fellow and you're looking out for a partner in life, be careful, pray about it, make sure you get it in with the right person because the devil is after you. He wants to make you an ineffective Christian and that's, he can't take away your salvation but he can take away your joy and he can lead you down various paths. To those who are not saved, I would say, life is hard enough. You need the Lord, you need to be saved. You know, I can say in all truthfulness through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will leave me home, lead me home. If you're not saved tonight, believe you me, take a look around you. The world is in an awful state. There's nothing in this world, believe you me, people have tried it. Many have tried it, people I know well, and they're, they're not happy. There's no happiness in the world. And if you want to try it, you, you, you'll have regrets. You know, it's, it's so sad to see young people throwing their lives away. And, you know, we often talk about the end times, and Stephen himself here has said, we're in the final seconds of time. And I would be a bit of a... I, I like my history, and it was a thing I always had an interest in, you know. And I would say, you know, the end times didn't start yesterday. You know, the Lord... We, we deal in, in days and weeks and years, but the Lord deals in eternity. He has eternity in his hands. And if you go back to 1900 and come forward to the First World War and the Second World War, it was an industrialised slaughter. You know, men have been killing each other... And, serious rate and we come forward to today and here we are in the United Kingdom where we murder each year 200,000 unborn children you know the world is in an awful state time is short we've had the holocaust the gas chambers we had nuclear bombs drop this is historical facts the user thinking this is years ago but in, in God's eyes this is a short time ago we're seconds to midnight I mean, the Lord said to the prophecies, you know, you can tell the weather by the signs, but you can't read the signs of the times. And so it is this generation today. And in Corinthians it says, in chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded them that believe not. That's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose the image of God should shine unto them. You know, in Proverbs it says, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And I would strongly recommend the Lord to you. And I would recommend that you get saved tonight. Don't put it off because the devil will entice you as best he can. I'll finish by telling you a short story, which is a historical fact. And Bertie and the older people would remember this. But, you know, the devil wants to take you down to hell and destroy your life. But he wants you to go willingly. He wants, he wants to take you by the hand. He'll not take you by force. And way back, about 50 years ago at the start of the Troubles in this country, there's three young soldiers, and I'm not going into too much detail about it, in Belfast, and they were out enjoying themselves, out having a few drinks, on a bit of a pub crawl. And they fell in with people. Nobody's actually sure who exactly they fell in with. They prefer idea. They fell in with people, and they were promised maybe another pub, and promised maybe another party, and maybe eventually promised to lift home. And they went right willingly and they were murdered just outside North Belfast. And so it is what the devil plans for you, young person. You may not have a hood over your head. You may not be forced. But he is trying to entice you down the road. It may not be drink. It may just be that girl or that fella or that other pastime or whatever it is. But his intention is to entice you away down the road and 
can get you away from the likes of the lifeboat or from hearing the gospel and getting you away from your chance of salvation. I just want to finish with the words of a wee hymn. It's a modern hymn which I'm sure you're familiar with. But it appeals to my heart. And it's my worth, my worth is not in what I own. My worth is not, just a few verses of it. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly word, wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth and beauty hurry by. Why, I found that out. Life goes very quick. But eternal life calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Thank you.